At long last, I'm finally getting to plant my very favorite vegetable in the world, asparagus. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of March the 8th, 2012. We are excited because last week we finally were able to get in the ground those 50 asparagus crowns we ordered. Yes, and we've been talking about planting asparagus for a long time now. And as a matter of fact, two years ago, spring of 2009, we bought some asparagus seeds. I guess I thought that was a good way to start them. And you can, but I didn't do it correctly, and we just didn't get anything. We just sowed them right into the ground. Yeah. And we did have, I think, one little diminutive Fern, yeah, fern that <laughs> a couple of them actually refused to die. But you know, it wasn't enough to do any good. So the more we've read about it, the more we know that the way to go is to put crowns in the ground, or to do transplants. But we opted for crowns. Yeah, you could do transplants, but we're we're anxious to get started having some asparagus. So the crowns, it, you know, that's moving the timetable up just a little bit. Exactly, that They're gives us year. another little goose on yeah. the calendar in about and two years, right? So, well, let's talk a little bit about why asparagus is your favorite vegetable. It tastes good. Uh, That's um, true. Asparagus is delicious. It is. It actually is. That's the reason I like it. But in terms of putting those out in the garden, once you do get them started, um, they're perennials. You don't have to replant them every year. So we are hoping that the asparagus we planted in March of 2012 will last us basically on, uh, the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. We're, we're certainly hoping to harvest asparagus spears here at Longleaf Breeze from those asparagus plants um, forever, For decades, you know, yeah. as, as long as we're living. Yeah. So, uh, it, but it was a little more challenging to get them planted. So why don't we talk a little bit about what we did? We, well, uh, we started with a couple of trenches. Um, we... Um, and all of this is cataloged, by the way, in a video, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, we read about all of this on the ACES, the Alabama Cooperative Extension System website, and read about you know what they recommended, which is a six to eight inch trench. And since we have four foot rows, we opted for two trenches, thirty inches apart. Right. And then we um, we knew that our pH in the soil was not. Um, high enough because we've had it tested through Auburn and it's about 5.2 I think is our pH. Our native pH is 5.2. Of course you and I regularly lime the soil and we will be liming the surface of the soil again this fall Uh, but that we we opted to give it a little bit extra for these asparagus because they they, really don't like acid. They like what around 6.5. Yeah so we mixed a little lime in with the, uh, the some agricultural lime with the soil as we uh, got ready to put the crowns down in the trench. And then uh, you soak the crowns for 15 minutes in water before, you know, planting them. And we, we tried to time it so we didn't leave them longer than that. They probably were in the bucket of water a little bit longer. Spaced them 12 inches apart in the trench, covered them. You're not supposed to put more than about one to three inches of soil over the top of them. We tried to keep it um, to that. 
and it was a mixture of our compost native soil and, and of course the lime was already down in there. So uh, the compost and the native soil we kind of mixed up together, threw it on top, and then put our drip tape back in on top, which we're not going to be dripping them anytime really soon, but we did water them in. I think that was... You know, we say do. that. I was just looking out there, but this is a little off the subject, but I was looking at our blueberries on the blueberry strip just north of the barn, and I'm already sensing that they could probably use a little bit of water. So maybe it's So I time. think one of my tasks for the next few days, sometime in the next few days, is to blow the dust off the drip irrigation system and make sure we're, we've got good integrity and see about cranking it back up. Yeah. Well, that's true, and so if when we do, those asparagus crowns will get some water in addition to whatever rain we get. Um, but what happens with asparagus, crown, as, asparagus crowns as they grow up and poke through the soil, then you cover them up with uh, more of the native soil compost mixture, and then by the end of the summer, I would think, or the end of this growing season, that trench should be flat to the ground. In other words, it'll, exactly. it'll fill in the trench completely and it'll just be a level bed of asparagus. And that doesn't mean we're ready to harvest asparagus. No, unfortunately not. That's what makes asparagus a little intimidating to a lot of home gardeners is you have to do all that we've just done and then you don't get anything out of it the first year. The first year, that is this coming spring, we are to just let the ferns grow and not harvest anything. And um, then I guess the following spring we will be able to harvest for two weeks, right? Yes, yes. And then the following spring after that we can harvest for four weeks. And then for six weeks and in all years thereafter we will be able to harvest for six weeks. And then you stop, even though you have spears that could be harvested, you stop because the spears have to be allowed to mature into ferns and, and so nourish have the, some more, yeah, later. the plant for next year. That's right. So. So, uh, but, you know, I'm thinking if I can harvest asparagus for six weeks, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good, <laughs> I know. So, um, but, so that's our, our latest adventure, that especially getting out of our comfort zone a little bit, I think. I'm used to seeds, and in fact, we started our seed um, seed trays last week. And, Which you are and, doing well. Uh, one of the things that we were admonished about when we went to a recent seed starting workshop is don't overwater your seedlings, and we've been faithful to that. But we finally broke down this morning and decided what they needed a little water. Oh, I, I was going to say it's not a breakdown at all. It was they were looking dry. And you want them to look a little bit dry. And then you add water to the bottom of the tray so that the plants soak them up from the bottom. And why would you and want a, a seedling to look a little dry? Here's the big risk with seed starting. The big risk is something called damping off. That's right. Damping off is like the worst enemy of little seeds. And what happens when a, when a plant damps off is that it gets too waterlogged basically keels over and gives up the ghost. So the solution for it is to keep your seedlings a little drier than you would otherwise think they need to be. Right. Once they've, you know, germinated. I mean, you've still, you still need moisture while they're germinating and they're covered up. But once you've opened your cover and they're, you know, they've emerged, 
then that's the time to let them dry out a little yeah. bit. So, yeah, we added the water, and they're looking good. So hopefully over the next few weeks, we'll be reporting more on those. And finally, we hope by April, we'll be planting those out in the in the garden. Before we move too far away from asparagus, I would like to mention the Organic Moments videos. You and I are, are of course, master gardeners, and we are proud of the fact that we were able to finish that and get our designation. Now we're each working on an advanced master gardener certification. You, organic home-scale vegetable production. I, organic home-scale fruit production. And one of the covenants we made as part of our developing the curriculum for this is that you and I would produce a series of videos about each of our respective areas of focus. Right. So we've already begun producing them. We've done one on planting a blueberry. We've done one on um, of course, the Japanese maple yeah. grafting party. We did one on the asparagus, and I guess we did the most recent one just the other day dealing with... Um, using cardboard for mulch in the orchard. So we're well on our way. The one that relates to the, the subject of today is that Organic Moments video dealing with asparagus, which we've more or less completed, but we need to do a little polishing on it once right. we get some help from our daughter, Adrian, out in California. She's going to be our announcer for these videos. As she is for the podcast. As she is for the podcast. So um, we're going to get her blurb in place. And once we do that, then all those videos will be complete and ready not only for us to share them with you, but also for the Alabama Cooperative Extension System to make them available through their website as well. So we're excited about what it means. We think it's a good fit for our uh, unique position here. Uh, yeah, we're fair to Midland knowledgeable about this, but a lot of other people have that knowledge. What you and I bring to the table is the ability to produce decent quality videos. Right, so. and I should mention too that we have um, some nice original music in the background oh, provided by nice. our son-in-law, Eli. And it's Bama just... Sunshine is the name of this song that Eli wrote just for the Organic Moments videos. So uh, we're real proud another, of, to be able to use that. Another incentive for people to listen to and watch these videos. So that's good. But uh, let's shift gears and talk about one other item being planted in the orchard. I'm sorry, in the garden. <laughs> no, I, I probably thought orchard because it is fruit, strawberries. But it is out on Veg Hill where it's got full protection of the deer fence. You have become a strawberry planting fool out there. <laughs> yeah, fool may be the operative word there. Um, but I have a little over a half a row of strawberries, and a row being 150 feet, right? So it's a pretty, pretty 150 good. 150 feet of a four-foot row. So Yeah, so I have, uh, have my strawberries out, and it was quite um, a task to weed last year's strawberries and then uh, mulch them as well as I planted about 16 or eight, maybe 18 to 20 new strawberry plants. Um, and what I noticed, even uh, amidst the weeds, is most of the older strawberry plants had sent out daughter plants. So 
I'm hoping that's uh, that's the way they're supposed to propagate. So you bet. I have every reason to believe that your hope will be justified. I think we're going to do well with strawberries this year, and it'll be the first year we really have had a decent crop of if, strawberries. If we can keep the birds from getting them, but I guess uh, we can always put netting if we need to. You're doing a much better job this year, I think, with the mulching of the strawberries. You're being much more intentional and much more proactive yes. with your mulching. Yes, and I've just got to get out there and do the weeding. We are using the approach called matted row strawberry planting. That is, you can you've got a choice. You can either put down some sort of permanent mulch, like plastic mulch, part of plastic culture, and in which case the strawberries can't send out the daughter plant. So you pretty much end up replanting every year. Um, or you can go with the approach of treating them as the perennials they are, leave them in the ground, let them send out the daughters. And uh, so that does bring with it the challenge of keeping them mulched. And I've, as you said, I've got to do better. And it's time-consuming, you know, but it um, so far you've done really well yeah, with so it. Yeah, so we'll see how they all turn out. We need to get them in the database. I know, because it's been like a week and a half since I planted them. We actually need to get the asparagus in the database, too. So we yeah. don't want to lose track of that. A lot um, going on. There is a lot going on, including some things going on up the hill from the barn here. That's right. Exciting uh, developments are occurring. We have the foam insulation being put in today. Speaking, of course, of the lodge that is under construction up the hill from the barn. You know, uh, Josh and Bobby from Advanced Insulation Technologies are finishing their work today, and it looks great. I've been up there already this morning conferring with them and admiring their work. Uh, I think we're going to be real pleased about that. And then the next step is sheetrock which we are hoping the uh, materials will be delivered tomorrow and work will begin on Monday after the sheetrock is installed. And that's about a uh, two-and-a-half-week process to get all the sheetrock installed. So that'll, that'll be a while there when nothing other than sheetrock is happening. Mm -hmm. um, after that's done, then we'll uh, ask our painter, Ray Miller, to come in and uh, do his thing with the you know the first coat of paint on everything and at some point along that way I think Scott Rupert will be laying down subfloor he That's might exciting. he might put the subfloor down before Ray does his painting I've forgotten exactly yeah, what the sure. sequence is there and then um, we have cabinets that will be installed and um, after the cabinets are in then we'll do the tile uh, in the bathrooms and the wood floor in the rest of the uh, lodge mm -hmm. And I guess what comes after that, that may be about it. That well, we have be. lighting fixtures that we'll have to go well, in. Sure, we have the final plumbing, the final electrical, and, uh, and so forth, and that'll all uh, happen probably on a slower timetable than we would like. Right. It'll be, you know, that'll be sort of last punch list items and that sort of thing. Well, and then we have to have the toilets installed and the sinks. Yeah, that's the final plumbing. Yeah, final it. final plumbing. And, of course, granite, granite countertops. And the granite goes on after the cabinets are installed. So there's still a lot to be done, but uh, it is exciting to see it all come together. And before long, we hope, uh, I, and I, I guess now we're talking about early summer, we will be emptying that storage locker in East Tallahassee. That'll be fun, getting moved in. I look forward to that. Um, in fact, we also have <laughs> we have a few items kind of stacked up here in our storage uh, room oh, out here. Oh, stuffed the, here, there, yeah, and everywhere. Where it's, I'm looking forward to just kind of cleaning out everything. And we'll probably find that we have a whole 
other set of donations to make, <laughs> probably you, some things to I clean I believe out. you are right, because yeah. we ran out of time when we were emptying the contents from our suburban home, and there's probably a good bit in that storage locker that uh, we really don't want to have right. in the lodge. Yeah. So we'll probably, you're right, we'll probably be making another round of donations. But then that will feel good. Ultimately, when everything's done, we'll feel good about where we are. And uh, then we move on to potentially the next phase, which is adding a little bit of cabinetry down here in the, in the apartment. Well, I thought you were talking about the next phase being chickens. Well, yes, we can talk about that too. I do want to have <laughs> chickens, but that's a whole new phase of life. Yes, it will be a new phase of life because it will keep us much more pinned down here at the farm. And we both approach that as um, a, a bold new step forward in our farming life. That's right. But, um, you know, it's time to, to learn to do that. I, I do wonder how Adi is going to react, but that's a whole other you know, uh, if Adi gets to be too much of a problem, I've got a good rifle. Oh, I can, stop. That's I can not deal even with that problem. Well, what I'm thinking is that the, the chickens, the model we're planning to use anyway, they'll be um, in a, they'll be confined so that nothing can get to them. And it certainly is our hope and expectation at this point that they will live most of their lives in a chicken tractor. So we would just pull them from one place to another within the orchard and let them um, eat grass and poop and have a wonderful life. But it's big enough. I, I don't want anybody who doesn't know what a chicken tractor is to get the idea that they're, um, it's too confining or they wouldn't. They would have a good life, in other words. Oh, they, they have can a wonderful life. They can life. enjoy their lives because it's just fresh grass. Fresh grass. On and, a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, Plenty to plenty of water to drink, protection from predators, and we hope they will be so happy they'll just keep producing eggs. That's right. That's what we hope. Well, I guess we're about out of time, and we will take this opportunity to say farewell. Hope you have a great week, and we look forward to visiting with you soon. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.